Hey, so this is going to be Modern Love 3. Um, considering I'm enjoying them a lot, and I think you are too. So this is a great idea. Wow, you're so... You're full of great ideas. I bow down to you. You're always right. Etc, etc. <laughs> so this one is called Crushes Thrive in Small Spaces. And there's like a little synopsis, which is If Tinder is about your first impression, working on a cruise ship is about your 15th impression or 29th. And there's a cute little drawing of... I presume it's a sh cruise ship. And then there's like a little like tube, like an L-shaped tube, and then two people are sitting inside it. And one of them is handing the other person either flowers or a bowl of cereal. I can't tell which. They look the same. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's by Colleen Kinder. Oh, it was released in 2020. This is a recent one. But yeah, I thought this sounded fun. Um... So I hope that you enjoy reading, uh, not reading this, listening to this. But um, another thing I had to say was I was wondering whether these help you sleep anymore or whether you, like, you listen to them for enjoyment, which is obviously like good. I still want, I would love for you to enjoy <laughs> me. I'm not making much sense. You know what I mean? I would love, like, I don't mind if you're enjoying these for the sake of like what they are but I'm wondering if they're fulfilling their initial purpose of helping you sleep or helping you go to sleep so let me know if I can do anything differently or if you're happy with it as is basically but yeah okay I'll start among the many names Eric had for me my least favourite was Tinder. <laughs> he had picked it not only because it rhymed with my last name, but also because, as he knew, I had done a lot of online dating before fleeing to take this job on a cruise ship. This position sounded fashioned from my fantasies. I would teach writing for Semester at Sea while our seven-storey cruiser sailed west from California to England, crossing three oceans and porting in a dozen countries. At sea... I would get distance from Brooklyn and the abiding sense that something was missing in my life there because I was past 30 and unpartnered. Eric was a music professor on the ship, but it took us half of the Pacific to intersect. Shorter than me and a little younger, Eric was the kind of guy who knew Kurt Cobain's birthday, death day and shoe size. I often sported a blue jumpsuit. Eric rocked out skinny jean shorts. On Tinder, we would not have swiped right. It takes nearly three weeks to cross the Pacific. Plenty of time for claustrophobia to grow. I have a question. What do you think of cruises? Like, would you do one as a holiday? I think I wouldn't. I think I wouldn't like to be stuck in the sea. So then how different, how different is that from like having a yacht? Like a cruise has more things to do on board than a yacht. But a yacht is your own private space. But like, would you want to be at sea? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I feel about sea holidays. Hmm. Anyway. Plenty of time for claustrophobia to grow. I handled mine by hiding out in a corner of deck five, where it was just me and the sea's roar. But it turned out deck five was an escape for Eric too. A nine-yard stretch he jogged over and over, desperate for exercise. 
Sooner or later, in our aloneness, we were going to find each other. The thing about a ship is that it lends you so many passes at the people around you. On land, first impressions are everything. At sea, it's about the 15th impression, the 29th. It's about the tight quarters creating a space to actually get to know a person. To realise you had maybe read the signs too fast. Online dating had made me so quick to dismiss any man... Full stop. Oh, no. <laughs> Online dating had made me so quick to dismiss any man who didn't match the blueprint of my dream partner. A sweet man with world-class listening skills and a wicked wit. On every app I used, the task was to sift, to narrow down, to eliminate. There were always more options, so why not keep looking? Only at sea, once I had shoved my useless smartphone in a drawer did I realise how oppressive all that choice was. When my chunky, plastic cabin phone rang at night, I could answer with yo, knowing it was Eric. When we talked, his gravelly voice sounded strangely proximate, right there in my earlobe. Forty minutes would pass easily before we hung up. Psh, forty minutes. Baby, I can spend hours with you. Time flies when... You're in love, I guess. Back in Brooklyn, whenever my roommate and I had come home to each other after a bland date, we would declare our verdict with four words. No sense of inf infinitude. I'm not actually sure what that means. No, I just googled it and it's literally the state or quality of being infinite, not having no limit. Well, that was very clever from me. Okay. So, I guess. <laughs> no state of infinitude. With Eric, I felt infinitude, though not because of compatibility. Eric puzzled me. I puzzled him. He was curt and uncensored, lacking the gentle, nodding manner I was certain I needed in a mate. He never intended to hurt my feelings. He just wasn't intuitively literate in them. <laughs> Challenging me was like sport to Eric, Whenever I mentioned urging my students to capture the details of the world, he would say, I hate that verb, and pull me into another debate about the colonialist roots of travel writing. It drove me nuts, and also made me think harder than ever about the material I taught. As we neared China, and I told him that I was dreading Shanghai because of the memories of eating at a noodle restaurant there with my ex, why don't you just go there, Eric said, and sit in it. Nothing sounded more painful, and that's precisely why it begged doing. A life of swiping left and right had kept me in flight from my ache. The imperative of this time at sea was to sit with my discomfort, both in the stubborn shadow of my last love and the startling light of this new one. Eric had a long-distance transmitter radio with him that he toyed with whenever we neared land, holding the antennae over the open sea like a determined fisherman. When we finally picked up the tinny burst of a Bollywood tune near the Andaman Islands, Eric's head whipped toward me, jaw dropped. I felt both whiny and drunk on the majesty of our sea existence that night. Whiny because I didn't want it to end, because I couldn't bear returning to New York, to a life in which I ordered dates on my phone as casually as Thai takeout. I cried out to Eric that I just wished real life could be like this. His blunt reply... If your life isn't something you want to go back to, well, maybe you should think about that. 
One day, on the Indian Ocean, my cabin phone rang at an hour when Eric never called. Lunchtime. As soon as I heard his voice, I knew something was up. He and I were nearing a point of no return, and I was petrified. It's a maritime custom that when you cross the equator, you leap into a pool of green water and kiss a dead fish on the lips. Before, you're a polywog. After, a shellback. I have no idea what these references mean. A polywog, is that even a real thing? I'm not googling it, I actually don't want to. (laughs) Or maybe I will. I have something to tell you, he said. You do? I said. Yeah, I have feelings for you and I'm coming over to kiss you. That's bold. I like it. Yes, Eric. Go, Eric. When Eric appeared at my cabin door, I was pacing, red-faced. I sat on one bed. He sat on the opposite bed. One of us said, this is so awkward. The other said, this is so fifth grade. Eric switched to my bed and planted from the side a sloppy kiss on the edge of my lips. Everything changed and also didn't. Whenever we made out on my skinny cabin beds, he would smear my hair into a mess, preferring the more dishevelled version of me. We left notes on each... That's such a... I'm going to pause there. That is such a mood. I also prefer the more dishevelled version of you. Yeah, in bed. Mm. We left notes on each other's cabin doors and then small treats. After India, I came home to a single marigold in a class cup. After Mauritius, a heap of roasted almonds. That's so cute. In every port, I had balked about merging our plans, but in Namibia, our third-to-last port, Eric and I rented a car and stopped at every beach where a wrecked ship summoned the junk lovers in us. In the desert, we chased ostriches, who ran off like clumsy ballerinas. It had been so long since I had felt this cracked open to a person, and the word love felt like a rising force within me. On our final Namibian morning, I blurted something that felt both true and preposterously qualified. There's a way in which I love you. In fact, there were many ways. I loved his capacity for wonder, the unabashed way he said, wow. I loved how he had a new nonsensical nickname for me every other day. Duda, Larry, Bud. And though I bristled when Eric criticised my word choice or claims, and I knew I couldn't sustain that level of friction long term, I swelled with appreciation for this man as our time together dwindled. The night before our cruise ended, I could feel our ship's culture begin to dissolve like a dream upon waking. All the traditions and secrets, the door notes and nicknames, none of it would matter once we ported. Our faculty lounge felt like a tailgate party, a nightclub and the airport departures lounge rolled into one. All this made my lips loose. Eric and I had taken pains to keep our romance private, but on the last night I wanted to confess... And I did. One colleague said, If you guys get married, I better be invited to the wedding. Another responded with a wry smile. So, is this like a ship thing? Crushes thrive in small spaces, writes the novelist Heidi Julevitz in her book The Folded Clock. Without the element of choice, and in conjunction with captivity, you find love, or at least you find lust. In my case, however... Captivity is precisely what freed me from that narrow love-lust binary. Captivity broke down my dating defaults and allowed me to just be with this man, who made me think harder, laugh louder, and finally lower the shield from my heart. A forever or a fling, people will say it has to be one or the other. But 
what grew between Eric and me was a magnificent something else. And it delivered me back to New York with a conviction to leave and close that chapter of my life for good. I write this from inside my first year of marriage, not to Eric, but to a man whose rightness felt as obvious on the surface as it did in the core. Daily, I feel the grounding calm that comes with finding a person who feels right in all the crucial ways. Oh. But none of that diminishes my gratitude for my stormy lap of the world with Eric. I now think we're lucky if life sends us circuitously in the direction of our ultimate partner. Blessed are the tangents, I say. Glad to be home, but I wouldn't reroute a thing. It's very interesting. I like that it ended uh, that it didn't end with her and like Eric like becoming an item. I like that it was just like that was an important part of my life. I mean, I do think and hope that you feel the same and that I feel that you are just right in all the core ways. But yeah, no, it was a very it was a very wise story. So this was the third part of modern love i'm gonna keep doing these I, I really like them i really like how it's written by a different person each time and they have a different style and they have a different like angle and moral to the story i really really hope that they're real i think it makes it so much more impactful to think about real people doing this but maybe if, even if they're not they're still really good but yeah no so i hope that you really enjoyed this i hope you enjoyed um me and I can't wait to just see you again not to be sort of forlorn and wistful but I think I think having these little recordings will be very nice to like look back on and also have them just as a as a thing if at any point like after all of this ends say like you 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 have a business to, you know what i mean like you you are doing something you are out in the world sort of conquering it as i kind of imagine you will be um like if at any point you feel like you want to have me right there and if i'm like not able to at that exact moment i really like the idea that like you could just pick any one of these and listen to me talk you could like have this this little piece of me which is why I think I also agree with you why I quite like the fact that I sort of I read something but I also I also I get myself get to be present in these recordings yeah but uh, you do feel very very just right we feel right so I can't wait for one day just to be, yeah, permanently right together. Yeah. I love you a lot. I hope you sleep well or when you wake up you have a beautiful morning. I'm super, super proud of you. Oh my god, I'm tearing up. I know I'm super proud of you for being a really good person and just like 
I don't know why I'm in awe of you, and not in like the Harry Crichton middle way. Like I'm just in awe of you for who you are every day. Um so yeah, thank you for being kind and for being smart and for being a little bit funny. I mean, goodness, not as funny as me, obviously, but a little bit. But yeah, I'm very grateful that you are the person that you are. I wasn't expecting to fall in love, as I think we both have spoken about many times. But I'm really glad that, like, out of nowhere, you came and changed my life for the better. Right, this is super moist. I'm going to stop now. Okay. Good night. Or good morning. Or whatever time of day it is whenever you're listening to this. Hope you have a beautiful day. And I will speak to you soon.